journalism's fury, the Soviet symbolism returns to liberated Donbass. Liberal journalism's fury, the Soviet symbolism returns to liberated Donbass. True colours, guardians of Western values are agonising over the rout of the murderous thugs who have been rampaging for eight years in East Ukraine. This article was reproduced from Counterprop with thanks. The Guardian's foreign correspondent, Luke Harding, is upset. Back in 2014, when the Maidan revolution was in full swing, overthrowing the elected president, Viktor Yanukovych, in a fascist coup, instigated by the West, and installing a puppet regime serving the interests of US imperialism, and propped up by resurgent Nazi fifth column, Luke's Maidan chums were having a field day. He writes in his 23rd of April article, back in the USSR, Lenin statues and Soviet flags reappear in Russian-controlled cities. Ukraine removed its Lenin statues in 2014, in the wake of the Maidan revolution. Monuments vanished from squares in Kharkiv, Kiev and elsewhere. Communist slogans were banned under decommunization laws, passed by Ukraine's parliament. For Harding, these were clearly the golden days, signifying the triumph of capitalist freedom. Somehow, he neglects to mention that, as the statues of Lenin were being pulled down, those same hands were busy replacing them with posters and memorials commemorating Stepan Bandera, the wartime Nazi collaborator, who sent thousands of communists, Jews and Poles to the gas chambers, and who is ideologically resurrected today by the Azov Battalion, right sector and the rest of the fascist pack. Imagine Harding's dismay when he finds out that in towns where Moscow's promised denazification program is in progress, statues of Lenin and other memorials of the Soviet era are being restored as the fascists creep back into the woodwork and memories of a shared socialist history revive. What a joy it was to see the hammer and sickle Soviet flag hoisted above the Azov-style steelworks in Mariupol. And we may be sure that many Ukrainian hearts beat a little faster too remembering the war years when Ukrainians and Russians fought alongside each other in the common life and death struggle to exterminate the Nazi menace, or the subsequent years when a highly industrialised and modern Ukraine took a leading part in post-war socialist advances across the USSR. The indomitable struggle of the people of Donbass to assert their independence, withstanding eight murderous years of shelling of civilians and infrastructure by the Ukrainian armed forces and their fascist auxiliaries, has been driven by the same spirit of courage and self-sacrifice that has always animated those Bolshevized Donbass miners. Harding's account of the birth of the People's Republics of Donetsk and Lugansk insults the intelligence of even the Guardian's readership. Moscow, we are told, instigated and armed a pro-Russia separatist rebellion in the eastern Donbass region. Every word of this is a lie. The voters of the Donbass voted along with the rest of the Ukrainian electorate and Yanukovych came out as the winner. But the USA, not happy with Yanukovych's relatively neutral foreign policy as regards the USA and Russia, instigated, to borrow this charlatan's phrase, a fascist coup d'etat to oust Yanukovych, installing in his place a junta whose agenda was openly Russophobic. Confronted with this rebellion against the democratic mandate the Ukrainian electorate, Donetsk and Lugansk, declined to accept the illegitimate authority of a government for which they had never voted and took the necessary decision to assert their independence from Kiev's jackboot rule.
having established his foundational Goebbels-style big lie about a Russia-instigated separatist rebellion, Harding feels free thenceforth to call white-black and black-white with impunity. The Russian armed forces are portrayed as behaving like imperial masters, engaging in a grandiose colonial project, whilst armed fascist gangs who use civilians as human shields to save their own skins are depicted as plucky heroes of the anti-fascist resistance. Harding can barely contain his glee over the fate of some collaborators, i.e. anti-fascists, at the hands of some patriotic citizens, gloating that collaboration, however, can be dangerous. On Wednesday, Valery Kulshov, and pro-Russian activist and blogger, was shot dead in Kherson. He had left his apartment block at 8.15am and climbed into his grey Mazda. It's unclear who raked the front of his car with automatic gunfire, Valery Kim, the mayor of Mikhailov, said it was impossible to stop patriotic citizens from taking out traitors. A constant theme in Harding's diatribe is the accusation that Russia is living in the past, whilst the Maidan generation is looking to the future. But it is the latter-day Banderites and their dupes who are up to their necks in historical failure, and the people of the Donbass who can draw inspiration for their present struggle from their own proud revolutionary past. Thanks for listening to Proletarian Radio. We aim to bring you the best Marxist analysis on current affairs, revolutionary history and theory. Do like, comment, subscribe and share our content to help us reach the widest possible audience. We are a small organization with limited resources, and we need workers' support if we are to grow and fulfill our mission. If you are able to make a one-off or regular donation, no matter how small, please visit our website at thecommunists.org and register as a supporter.